0: Happy, I'm Randy happy, me happy, 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 well, a bunch of green. And let's get ready to eat us some turkey. I love that turkey, boy. Yeah, uh, Randy? Yeah? None of that has anything to do oh, with Halloween. Oh, for Pete's sake, Charlie, That's I see the wrong. kids running around with a drumstick in their hand. Have you ever seen walking tr- down tr- tree tree at all? Don't tell me you don't have nothing to do with it.
1: Clytus, I'm bored.
2: boys and girls, this is The Count, and today's show is brought to you by the letters H and the letters M for Hell Ming, and the number 20, ah, 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 ah. You see, I love to count. I've been counting episodes for several months now of my favorite show, The Hell Ming Power Hour, with hosts Ricky and Danny, that's two Two great hosts. Ah 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 ah. I'm here tonight to count the twenty for the twentieth episode of the greatest podcast this side of Oscar's Trash Can. That's twenty great episodes. Ah 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 ah. Here's the twenty more, guys, because hey, I love to count. Keep up the good work. And by the way. Grover says, Hey,
3: <laughs>
1: the Henry Ricky Andy, Danny. R
2: wants your children. It's just that simple. Oh, Flash Gordon. <laughs> Mr. Me tear down this wall.
4: Brandon
3: you me. And it's changing.
4: Shut up, Winda. Shut up!
0: And now, here's your two-host of the only show that cooks the bacon and cheese in the middle of the hamburger patty. Here's Rick and Denny! Yes!
3: Hey, hey, hey! What's going on, people? Welcome back, everybody! Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah! Sit down before you fall down! Especially you in the back!
3: <laughs> Watch out!
0: Hey! Got a lot of fun for you! Welcome to our Spooktober... Whatchamacallit... I don't know what to call this thing! Spooktober! we are having a good time! Coming at you with a chainsaw! <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Ah. All right, welcome back, everybody. Glad to have you with us for episode number 20. Excited about that, man. This is going to be great. And as you heard at the beginning of the show, the Count from Sesame Street, man, he uh, was glad that we're going to do the show. And uh, he's a big fan. So we're tickled. i tell you what. So from time to time throughout the show, instead of our, our helming, you may hear an occasional ah, uh, ah. Uh, 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 uh. To kind of get us through the show. So uh, you got that. And I also took, uh, in in honor of being our spooktacular event, I kind of did this to the hell mean, too.
3: (laughs) Hell mean.
4: Let's remember, people, that we only make one episode a year. So that means we've been doing this for 20 years now. Yes. And you guys have been with us since the beginning (laughs) 20 years.
0: (laughs) 20 years, folks. You got to celebrate that. It's incredible. (laughs) <laughs> so we're taking, and the, and the audience is, is happy with that, too. They, they're really on board. And uh, glad to have the audience back with us. But, uh, hey, we got a fantastic show. We got two movies containing chainsaws. Not only that, we have the incredible Duncan McLeish with us as well. So we're just looking forward to this show. Danny, you got anything else?
4: I just want to say thanks for hanging with us because it's been a long ride. And, and we're not there yet. So. Keep hanging in there. That's
0: right. Another 20 years we'll have this thing figured out. All right. We'll be right back.
4: The Hail Ming Power Hour is brought to you by the ice moon of Phrygia. Come see Phrygia.
3: Please.
4: And loyal subjects of Mongo like you. Hail Ming.
0: Alright everybody, welcome back. We are excited about this, getting to some scary movies that we like. And uh, this is going to be a lot of fun, because with us, all the way from Scotland, I'm going to go ahead and say it, one of my heroes, the Prince of Podcast, the
4: Highlander for the 21st century, the Teacher of Tenebrae, Scotland's Certified Best Citizen, (laughs) the Hans Gruber of Horror... Duncan McTastic. <laughs> the ghoul of Grangemouth. I think the we can Phantom, just go ahead and bring him in here.
0: The Phantom of Falkirk.
4: Now, let's just guy, bring him in there. Let's stop giving him names. And I got one him. more. The
0: only guy that I know that says Philom. <laughs> Mr. Duncan McLeish. Yeah!
1: <laughs> This is the most ridiculous introduction I've ever heard in my years of podcast. Never ever changed, guys. That was amazing. That's what we go for. Oh, that was so funny. Oh my God. Thank you very much for having me back. It feels like it's been ages since I've been here, but it's not that long. I was I was doing the math last night because that's what I do at nighttime math. and it's why I don't sleep. And um yeah, it's only been a couple of months, but you guys have uh, you guys have continued that meteor uh, meteoric rise. To, to greatness. Yeah. It's fantastic. Thank you for inviting me back.
0: As far as coming down to, to being a horror fan, this guy is the embalm, the embalmment.
3: <laughs> the embalmment.
0: <laughs> I, I like that. The embalmment <laughs> of all the great movies put together. Just a, a, a world of knowledge when it comes to horror. Great, great show podcast out of the stairs. I'm a huge fan. The main reason that we even started this show is because I got hooked to listening to his show. And, uh, So we're just tickled to have him on board. He actually picked a couple of movies, so just like I said last week, if you don't like it, it's Duncan's fault. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't heard that bit yet. (laughs) Still listening to that show. But I'm Uh, glad to see that being thrown under the bus early. It's usually halfway through the show before someone throws me under the bus, but it's good to get out of the way to start.
0: All right, so the two movies we're going to cover, we're going to step right into the first one here. The first one we're going to cover to me is a classic and we'll talk about why but uh it's the incredible texas chainsaw massacre part two and to give us a synopsis on that we got uh the great
4: john cleese hello this is john cleese and i'm here to tell you about the texas chainsaw massacre part two on behalf of the hail bing power hour fun for the whole family The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 is the story of five fluffy bunnies on their journey to the Rainbow Kingdom to save the denizens of Melody Valley from the frog people. A solid 10 out of 10, young and old will delight in this feel-good film. Watch for cameo appearances from myself, Treat Williams, and Hulk Hogan as the sheriff. (laughs) Treat
0: Williams. <laughs> oh, Treat Williams!
4: It doesn't get much worse than that, John Cleese. Tell
1: me! Uh. At least they didn't mention the war. That's <laughs> <laughs> what war would that be? Uh, you're not allowed to mention it. <laughs> uh, oh, that one. <laughs> All
0: right, man. So let's. I tell you what, Duncan's our guest. Duncan, what's your yes. first reason of why we watch? Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. Chop
1: Top. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, Bill Mosley's Chop Top. Um, unfortunately, Bill Mosley's not really been able to get away from Chop Top since he played that kind of version of that kind of over-the-top hick, sort of hillbilly, redneck, hybrid character. But um, he is instantly entertaining and gross in equal measure. Uh, the plate is disgusting. The fact he has to scratch his plate with a <laughs> modified coat hanger is disgusting. He looks disgusting. And um, yeah, he's hilarious in this movie.
4: You know, uh, well, and, and when he's first introduced there and he, and he asked her if she's going to play Anna Vita Degada.
1: Yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> it's like that, that song's messed up enough without you messing up the title. But I agree. He's, he's definitely in my top reasons uh, because he just, he chews up the scenery every scene he's in and, and, you never know what he's going to do next.
0: You messed up my son in Bodo wig. <laughs> it's good. just his lines, man. I mean, you've heard the quotes from Chop Top and samples that are in people, people's music. Uh, dog know, Will uh,
3: Hunt. Dog
0: Will Hunt. It's an iconic character. And it's hard to believe really why until you see this movie and he, he just really steals the show. Uh, well, he steals one half of the show. I imagine Danny's first reason is the other half.
4: Well, you know, the other half, if you're talking about Caroline Williams, (laughs) stretch the DJ. My first reason to watch it, actually, I think she did a fantastic job being Alice in Wonderland in this movie because she she goes down the rabbit hole, literally. And and it's it's kind of like the first one. They tried to reprise a lot of the just just the, the feel of being trapped with the insane uh, and they try to make it over the top in an eighties way, and it must have been near impossible for her to pull that off. I mean, I, I, maybe you thought I was going to say Dennis Hopper, yeah, and Dennis Hopper m- most certainly is a reason to watch the movie. He's yeah. fantastic, but but I, I've got to say that she deserves every bit of credit that she can get for her performance in this because she might just be a scream queen, but I, she's got to go through so much, and right. she does a, She's great.
0: Yeah. I agree, and, and I'm I'm really shocked actually that she picked her because she's who you identify with in this movie. So this is who you're taking the trip with, and just some of her lines too: "Hang up, hang up, hang up, hang up." <laughs> 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 yeah, so it's great. So uh, it leaves it to me. I'm going to say Dennis Hopper, man. I forgot how over the top he is in this movie. He Perfect. is on.
1: He's on some. Sort of narcotic. I I don't believe for one second that this man is not fueled on pure cocaine. Like like Pablo Escobar was at the back just feeding him drugs. Um, there is no way that this is like he said himself that he thinks is the worst performance he ever he ever turned in any movie. I would say to him he's not seen every movie that he's ever been in because this <laughs> yeah. is just wholly unique. when have you ever met a character who is essentially on some level, supposed to be the hero. And then you realize really quickly he's just as demented, if not more, right. than the actual villains in the movie.
0: That's what's interesting to me about this. The whole time revisiting and watching it, which, you know, there's a lot of dark humor in it. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But to me, everything Rob Zombie has kind of pulled away with Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses is so much this movie.
1: Yeah, William Forsyth's character in Devil's right. Rejects is, is definitely 100% Dennis Hopper's character right. in this.
0: I totally agree. Caroline Williams, you even said it a while ago, Danny, going down the rabbit hole. These are all things that are in those movies. And uh, I guess I didn't put it together to go back and revisit it. It's like, wow, Rob Zombie really took a lot from this movie.
4: You know, in the in the whole trip into, uh, what was it, Texas Battleland, and the... <laughs> nom Nomland! <laughs> <laughs> and, and the uh, the whole Mad Max uh, future that they live in—it's uh, really—it's almost like you're supposed to be getting deep in there, but you're still just scratching the surface,
0: right?
1: I think that's, I, I don't know. I think that's what makes a movie like so jarringly effective—is that very much like the in the very first Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, everything you see in, in the first 10 10-15 minutes of that movie is just uh, a superficiality of a world that we think we understand, but when that door slams, when when Leatherface slams that door and then you realise there's a whole different world behind that door, um, that's the scary part because from that point onwards there are no rules, there is no understanding of where that movie's going to go and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 just basically ramps that up on almost every level. So there is no context for anything that you're seeing here at all um it's like you say it's like some sort of weird dystopian future Uh, That there's a theme part that doesn't really make sense of why would anyone go to it i mean the movie doesn't explain anything then but to its credit shouldn't explain anything because that's the most unsettling part of the movie is that when you go around the corner with a character you really genuinely don't know what you're going to see and that just doesn't fly in today's cinema you know today's cinema they want you to know that when you go around the corner there's going to be the scare or there's going to be you know there's going to be some some kind of version of um something that you can identify with something that you've seen before something you understand and texas chainsaw massacre 2 just exists in a world where nothing really makes sense and you just have to as an audience just have to ride the roller coaster so to speak and um yeah, it's, it's really, there's, there are certain shots in this movie that are genuinely disturbing, even though the movie itself is, I, I mean for all intents and purposes, it's a comedy Hooper himself right. said that, he. You know, even though I, I totally disagree with him, he says Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a comedy and <laughs> things like that, he he, he he will defend his stance on that, it's an absurd comedy um, that people don't find funny, so when he came to make the second movie, he just amped up and right. that's,
0: that's what you get and it was the perfect atmosphere for this kind of comedy horror, too, because you're starting to see this a lot. So yeah. it really fit in nicely with Evil Dead 2, Reanimator, all these movies that were coming out that had this kind of same feel where it was just over the top. On the very top of my list, everything Duncan just described, I can narrow down to one word. Canon. <laughs> <laughs> this is a canon yep. film. You guys listen to the Ninja 3 show we did? Yep. Same company did this movie.
4: I've yeah, I, I put case. down that this very easily could have been Ninja 3, The Domination Part 2. <laughs> right. It's well, every so, bit as crazy. There you go. Canon. But I'm going to say that, you know, this this going down the rabbit hole, this this whole ex- exploration of insanity, you know, you can't miss what congeals that. And that's my number two reason. The yuppie sidekick wearing the hologram glasses. <laughs> he represents society as a whole and how guys with pistols and hologram glasses need to learn that there's an insane curvature of the earth. And, uh, and, and they're running straight for it with their buddy in the sweater. <laughs> Hook the horns, man. Woo. Hook the horns. <laughs> Let's call that that radio
0: station up. Woo. What kind of name is stretch anyways? Exactly. <laughs> All right, Duncan, what you got, man?
1: Um, I'm going to go Leatherface in this one. Bill Johnson's portrayal of Leatherface. Um, When you see Gunnar Hansen, Gunnar Hansen has this very lumbering shape, which you know, and a really disjointed way of walking, um, which makes Leatherface terrifying. Um, When you're approaching this movie, it's uh, you know, it's supposed to be more comedic in tone. So it's no surprise that the recast. Uh, Leatherface, I don't know what Gunnar Hansen was doing at the time but they recast it anyway and they bring in Bill Johnson who is slighter of frame than right. what you see with with uh, Hansen but at the same time I think his portrayal is brilliant I think um, what, what you get is someone that has a bit more of a slapstick timing in his portrayal and when you have that on the screen it adds to it, I mean he's not a he's not as menacing a character or sympathetic character as he is in any of the other movies. The, the the performance in this one is wholly unique because it exists in a world where, you know, he is kind of liked, but he isn't kind of liked by his own family. He's, he's kind of bullied, he's made fun of. The, the whole sequence where they're trying to basically push him towards uh, Carlin Williams' character... On some level, to uh, you assume to lose, lose his virginity, you're you're not quite sure, but <laughs> you, you do kind of. I kind of feel myself being kind of emotionally invested in Leatherface, if that even makes sense. Um, in this movie, and it's the only one out of all in- interpretations or incarnations of the character. Um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two is the only one that I actually do that with. Yeah, That's I, I, don't I, I don't You don't agree? agree. <laughs> I don't agree. Shut, I think shut up, Scottish man. <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, First off, you know, like it's it's really hard for me to compare these two movies. I mean, uh, it's true that you you go down the rabbit hole you, you, in the first one. You're in their house and just it's their world. They're far away from society as a whole, and in that way, they kind of still do it. Now it's in a big theme part because that's kind of your comparison. You know, when it, when it comes to Leatherface in the first one, it's almost like he's a child, uh, and yeah. and I don't disagree that it's different. It's like he, you know, he, these people keep coming to his house and he's like, well, why are these people here? And he's very panicked. And that's kind of a, a weird dichotomy with the fact that he's also a, a killer, you know, who, who slaughters the people that he kills. And, and you'd think that he would be menacing or brutal, but really he's just a child and that's what he knows. Um, and in this one, I, I think that, I don't know, I, it might be because he's diminished in the fact that they give him this love interest uh, and, and it turns into kind of a lurid um, sexual interest that he enacts with the chainsaw often. Yeah. You know, uh, I just I don't know that it's a better performance. I, I just think that I feel like a lot of them just kind of phoned it in. And the ones that did a good job were just crazy to begin with.
1: <laughs> I, I don't I, I would stress is it is not my favorite portrayal. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. hopefully I didn't say it was my favourite portrayal. No, um, no, you probably didn't, I didn't I think I think. in terms of let's put it this way, every other portrayal of Leatherface, even even jump into the remakes and the prequel and the most recent one, and obviously we've not seen the one that's about to come out where he's a teenager uh, which is a terrible idea, but um, <laughs> All the other ones hark back to Gunnar Hansen's performance. All of them try and replicate Gunnar Hansen's performance. Apart from yep. Bill Johnson in this movie, he's the he's the oddity out of the whole group. And um, a way which, like I say, it just it stands out to me. I think it's I I do think you're right in in pointing out that there are actors in this movie um, that are you know kind of just there for the cash and not there for the art. Um, I think. It's, it's an interesting performance. And another thing you hit on the head, that which I totally agree with, and it's one of the reasons I have issues with certain horror franchises, is when you bring in another villain, so to speak. Chop, this is Chop Top's movie, really. Chop Top's the one that's quoted. Um, Chop Top's the one that's, you know, on pretty much every fan art, you know, yeah. picture of this movie. When you bring in any second kind of antagonist into a movie, you lessen the role of the original antagonist so um, the first movie even though Leatherface is, you know, in the background doing what he's doing and he's on the cover and all the rest. Leatherface should be an ancillary character in there, very much like Pinhead is in Hellraiser, but the fandom of that movie elevates that character to he is our protagonist, he's the main thing about that movie, he's the one we're going to follow. And this movie, Chop Top, shares, you know, probably, he has probably more screen time and is because he talks and he's over the top and all the rest, we, we have that thing that I think is very easy to overlook you know yeah. leatherface in this movie and i think the fact that i notice it as much as i do is a credit to the performance my I'm, my whole thing is part 2 is supposed to
0: be as far away from the original as possible it's it's almost making fun of itself and that's that's the i think what people really grabbed onto it is it's it's a retelling basically and just taking it to a total wacky degree. It's not supposed to be picking up where part 2 left off or part 1 left off and like we do with other sequels. He wanted to make something so different from the original cuz he knew he couldn't compare to the original as far as recapture what happened on that. So, that's the, that was always my take on it. He wanted to make something that kind of fit the times, which is like I said Evil Dead 2. Uh, it's like it's like comparing Evil Dead 1 and Evil Dead 2 to each other. Same kind of difference. It's fodder. It's entertainment. That's what it's for.
1: Yeah, the, the Canon thing that, that you, you guys were talking about earlier on. I mean, Hooper's past with Canon is is the stuff of legend. I mean, <laughs> Canon basically paid for the, the obscene amount of narcotics that went up that man's nose. Pretty, much, He's one of the main reasons that company doesn't exist anymore because the amount of money they plowed into movies that he made that did not return Which I, I, funnily enough, like history has been the the judge of those movies. Life Force, I think, is a fantastic movie, but you know, at the time it flopped horribly. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two is now a cult phenomenon. Flopped horribly. He really kind of pushed the boundary of what he could do. I mean, if you look at Reanimator, Reanimator for all its goofiness, is still an intensely focused story. Um, Sure, Gordon does like everything you can do within that movie in terms of making it over the top and out there and wacky and funny and all the rest. But it never really loses itself. It remains like a, a solid structure. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 loses itself About three or four times in the film in this movie, and I get the feeling that he would, you know, Hooper was just like, right, right. I I don't have anything written down on the page now, so right, Uh, you know, uh, what I want from you, Hopper, is I want you to come in with two chainsaws and just ad lib, just go for it, (laughs) Um, just see whatever you think of. And I think there are whole sections of Texas Chainsaw Massacre that really feel unorganised, disjointed, and somehow it helps it. I think, Um, but it does feel a lot of the time, like, the, the inmates are running the asylum on the, on the set. <laughs> I think the scene where he goes to buy
0: the chainsaws is <laughs> unbelievable. It's just so great, man. And what's great about it, especially here in America, back in that time, we had stores that looked like that. Where You just walked in, there was over in a the corner, there was a whole section of just chainsaws or whatever, and you know, I don't know that you'd go out front and chop a log with it, but there was storms there, there, there's something that felt really real about what was going on there until he went outside. And, uh, oh, that scene's just incredible. I just love it.
4: <laughs> well, and it's Dennis Hopper being Dennis Hopper too. He's when he walks into a room, you don't know what he's going to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That, that's one of the ones I remember being a kid and seeing this movie. I remember the, the nighttime truck versus car.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah.
3: You
4: know, with, with the uh, with the dead man dance where, where Leatherface has his, his like dead man costume where he's got the dead man in front of him yeah. and all that. I remember that vividly. And I also remember him going out front and whacking the crap out of that log with that giant lumber chainsaw. Right. Um, and as yeah. silly as it is, you know, it just stuck with me this many right. years.
0: So I think that's why we still end up talking about it, because to me, the first image I think of is that truck going in reverse. Alongside of that car on that bridge. Like you said, the dance that's going on. But dude loses the top of his head. That stuff just is so vivid in my mind. I guess because I'd never seen anything like that at the time. Anybody?
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. no, I 100%
4: agree. Well, and so the next reason I've got... Is the over bow-legged cowboys in uh, in Lefty's uh, in Lefty's <laughs> hotel? The two of them, they got an arm around each other. They're going right. to they're going to Mac on stretch, and uh, and they're walking down the hallway. And he gives them a look, and they just kind of stumble <laughs> off the other direction. But man, those guys must have been riding some humongous bulls or something because their legs are like <laughs>
1: six feet apart.
0: And you got Toby Hooper there in the hallway. That the guy throws the beer bottle at him, and he
1: goes oh, like, Whoa, yeah. "What?" <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I just love this idea of uh, tall Pooper thinking I'll, I'll I'll do a Hitchcock, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just I'll just appear in the movie. That'll be fine, won't it? So I, I, yeah, it's, uh, it's glorious because part of he thinks, you know, is it planned or was it accidental? And, and knowing what he's like as a director, it wouldn't surprise me if it it was accidentally in that show <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh, well, And speaking of Hitchcock,
4: Hitchcock, the uh, when when they leave the radio station and she's following them to their uh, stomping grounds at at Battleland, their uh, nom world, um, the the music when she's driving. Right. It is, is dead up from the original Psycho. It's that, it's that music that she's, she's driving to and there's still the heist plot right. in right. Psycho.
1: Yeah.
4: I, I heard it and I, well, as a kid, I probably never would have noticed it. But today, I, I certainly did. And I wondered if it was just, oh, you know, we already have like some, some suspenseful driving music. We'll just throw that in there. Or if it was intentional.
1: Oh. <laughs> you just don't know when watching it and um, reasons to watch this movie it, it didn't get released in the uk in in the year it came out i think uh, if you're in the uk you point now that you have the blu-ray and stuff like that that are out you get to watch the movie uncut it wasn't released i mean the bbfc in this country wanted to to basically chop i think it was about 25 minutes out of the movie which had already been ridiculously chopped by canon Wow. Um, so the movie essentially got pulled from UK release um, which a lot of people don't know uh, so yeah I, I think the reasons to watch it is now in the UK you can't own it well fully uncut to the way it Cannon. was released in it yeah, yeah, right. canon released it um, which, is, which is a treat but <laughs> I still struggle to get my head rimmed what is it in this movie that you know the BBFC tried to cut more stuff out of because it's you know, Reanimator got through. Evil Dead really? 2 got through. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Those movies were not banned on the level or, you know, demanded huge amounts of cuts. Reanimator did get quite a bit of cuts, but, but nothing on the, the level of five minutes. Man, I mean, to me, Reanimator mental. is just on another
0: level as far
1: as gore. Yeah. Compared to this one. That's incredible. It's, it's, it's weird. It's, I think it's all to do with. Um, I don't know, maybe it's that idea of being focused again, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is kind of like a weird surreal nightmare. Um, It just happens Mm -hmm. to be a slightly weird, surreal funny nightmare. Uh, Whereas you watch Reanimator, it's clearly a horror movie. So... And well, it you could know. be
0: by just name association, too, because the first one was such a classic. First one was banned in the UK. Right, right. So, yeah, so, so for, probably for just many, because many it years. was the second one, they're already going to look at it with a microscope more than it would something
4: else. Yeah, I was going to ask if if the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre was was released, because I could see how the type of, of horrifying gore that's in this one, where it's basically treating people as if they're in a slaughterhouse, that's that's definitely what makes the first one so jarring is because, you know, you've got grandpa coming in to deliver the final blow and, and the idea that these people are just meat. Right. It, it, it's it's still there. I mean, as as silly as the second one is, it continues that thread. Right, so if yeah. that's what's what's disconcerting that I can see how censors would see the same thing in, in this movie as well. I think but anyone, maybe they let it through because, you know, because there's so much goofiness that they can just let it through and cut that stuff out.
1: yeah I mean anyone that watches that first first Texas Chainsaw Massacre walks away with the opinion that that movie is like a a bathtub full of blood you know like in terms of how much and there really isn't there's a couple of teaspoonfuls of blood in the entire Texas Chainsaw Massacre but it's the it's the psychological trauma of watching the movie that's the scary part Um, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 definitely ups the gore and all the rest but that first movie was banned for over a decade Right. Um, it remained on the, the, the banned list. And that predates like Video Nasties and stuff like that. It was just banned. You right. could not could not see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But the second one, instead of getting banned, they just held it back until you know they could release it at a later time with less severe cuts. Because that changes year on year. Definite reason to watch it if you're in the UK is get a copy of it now because you get to see it the way it was intended.
0: Man, if there was only a podcast out there that talked about all the movies that were banned in England and <laughs> and uh, talk about the the nasty list. Oh, wait a minute. There is Danny. Yeah. <laughs> it's, co- <laughs> it's called Doing the Nasty. And I think uh, Duncan McLeish is on there with Andy Blockley. Oh, oh
1: you don't have okay. a voice of him. Please tell me you don't have a voice of him. No. I was going to oh, say sorry, Andy Blockley. <laughs> the last time I was on here, he did J.W. Pepper. And I'm still trying to get my head around that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Style
4: so I've got in my notes here, and it's not one of the reasons to watch it, but I do want to get you guys' opinion on it. Does this movie strike you as a lot like Nothing But Trouble hmm. and no- Nothing But Trouble, the Dan Aykroyd movie? Uh, right. Yeah, the, they go to that town where they're basically the law and the yeah. judge, and yeah, it kind of feels like that for sure. There's huh. even a grandpa in a wheelchair, and
1: yeah. Now you're mentioning <laughs> that there's, there's quite a lot of similarities. <laughs> what well, one came out first? I, I think it came out before Nothing but Trouble, yeah, so I'm yeah, yeah, it sure certainly did. did. So you know, well, it, I think the filmmakers may have watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Man,
3: mm. well,
1: it's Dan
4: Aykroyd's <laughs> brother, and he wrote Nothing but Trouble, so maybe they were sitting around saying, "Let's just remake Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. <laughs> and Dan start- Aykroyd was
0: like, "No, man, I want to do Doctor Detroit Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> Let's
4: get John Candy in there. <laughs> smells mm. like Sao Paulo."
0: Oh, I wanted to bring up this since we're talking about this. One thing to stop and watch—I I call it the chop top stunt—at oh. the end when he's fighting uh, Stretch up there at the top, and then he falls. Have y'all really watched that guy, whoever it is, that's falling
1: down through there? That's pretty remarkable. Yeah, that was <laughs> one of my one of my points. Is the end of this movie, like the, the very final sequence, is so wonderfully weirdly nihilistic, um, considering the journey you've went through. To get to that point, it's just a really weird kind of almost the sort of thing you would have seen at the end of like a B movie in the 1950s, like a sci fi sort of. But at the end, they're all creatures, you know, like something like Invasion <laughs> of the Body Snatchers, you know, just like weirdly surreal sequence of our climbing up, once again, like we mentioned, something that doesn't make sense. It's kind of hill kind of structure thing, which, you know, why is that there? And where, where is this movie actually taking place? Is that, I don't, I've never been to Texas, but can't imagine texas looks much like that um and if it does <laughs> i'd be wanting to move out of texas sorry I've offended any of your texas listeners any any of those Texans. but the end of this movie really ramps up into like it's, it's almost like a completely different movie the last five minutes of this movie feel like it was like no one had decided what they were going to do at the end Ready. and they just tagged <laughs> on an idea which they may have very well done it's like Mad Max
4: with bare light bulbs hanging from the ceiling and some kind of a giant fake mountain and and you know it's it's this theme park that I don't think exists in real life and and they've they've kind of taken over this theme park and turned it into this just nightmare hellscape. Yeah, and, I, w- and,
0: I will have to say though, close to here at Real Foot Lake, there's some places that are like these kind of little theme park areas that kind of look like this and feel like it. I don't know about the inner structure of it, but for me, that kind of hits home because we grew up going and riding little, you know, little bitty miniature trains and stuff around areas that look like this thing. So,
3: uh,
0: yeah, they are real.
4: (laughs) Uh, We had Opryland, but... No,
0: it's nothing like Opryland. No. No, this thing is like, you can tell somebody just came out with some plaster and just built a wall and drew some scary faces on it and said, come on. Ride the train.
4: <laughs> like giant miniature golf courses.
0: Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, these things are out there. So, it's these structures were built in the 60s into the 70s and they were all run down by that point and the place is shut down. And they just leave them there. And uh that looks like what this thing is. So, uh I have witnessed things that look like this in Tennessee. So, there you go, folks. I'm breaking the myth. <laughs>
1: How about how about the fact in this movie that Chop Top is almost like a, a prophet and that when he's in the station he has to hear the he has to hear the music from he asked for the soundtrack <laughs> from Rambo Three. Um and Rambo three wasn't made when this movie came out. It was made All like right. about two or three years after this movie. Um which is, is, is did Toby Hooper know something? Uh, maybe mm. so. <laughs> he
0: knows he the future.
1: Maybe he knows the future, but yeah, I think that's quite funny because it's always it's clearly a joke at the expense of Rambo, but it's a joke that happened uh, to uh, actually uh, happen.
4: Uh, uh. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I, I think it might have been more along the lines of the joke, that you know, from uh, Spaceballs where it's, and coming soon Rocky 9,000.
3: <laughs> <Right>. You know, <laughs> was,
4: the, the the belief was that there would be a Rambo 2 in the near future, or Rambo two, three, 3 in the near future. Yeah. Right. He could have been a prophet. I mean, he probably was on something that made him think he saw the future.
1: (laughs) Maybe (laughs) when he scratched his plate with his his, uh, his coat hanger, maybe it picked up some future (laughs) reads, future transmissions. (laughs) Like a really bad antenna.
0: And being that he speaks of the uh, Rambo 3 soundtrack, I've got it down at the bottom of my notes. (laughs) The soundtrack for this movie, man. It's like, who's the big hot band right now? Yeah. Tim Buck Three. <laughs> so you got a Tim Buck Three laden soundtrack with one Oingo Boingo song, a couple of Concrete Blondes, which at this time, the only other movie they were recognized in was The Party Animal.
1: <laughs> oh, God.
0: And then at the end of it, this really bad reggae sounding song. And I was like, man, what is this crap? This sounds like a really bad sting. It was Stuart Copeland. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and I was like, No. <laughs>
4: Everybody's gotta get paid, man. Everybody's gotta uh, get paid.
0: So yes, there is a an official soundtrack to Texas Chainsaw Part Two with legitimate artists on it. That's pretty bizarre.
4: Easy, so,
1: honestly. What a <laughs> I time.
4: I gotta say the movie was starting to, to go down, you know, it was starting to go too far for me. And it kind of came back when Dennis Hopper found the wheelchair. Like that moment, the movie ceased. Like maybe that's where you know, like you said, they were just letting the movie make itself. And then, like, and there's the part where they had been a, a previous mentioning that his brother's kid was killed by Chainsaw Maniacs, which probably does happen in Texas. Um, <laughs> and and then you no, know, and then he finds the wheelchair, and then you're like, oh yeah, his brother was somehow tied to the first movie. And then you think of the first movie because up until that point, I almost don't even equate the two of them as being in the same world. Right,
0: that, and yeah. that's what I was saying, and that's why they had to throw that in there, is to give you a reason of, why is Dennis Hopper so bent on chasing these people down? Well, he killed his brother, Franklin, back in the day. so
1: Yeah, yeah. and it's that, it's that kind of, once again, you mentioned Rob Zombie, but it's that idea as well. When you look at the, the tonality of House of a Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Rejects, tonally those movies are completely different, but the fact that you have... William Forsyth's character is the brother of the sheriff that dies in the first movie and that you know in this movie wreaking right. uh, his unholy vengeance is yeah you're you're right. 100% right Rob Zombie rips off this movie horribly for shame Rob Zombie <laughs> you're Dragula <laughs> <laughs> I love the movie and even I find myself drifting off at points right. and stuff sure check sure. things about the room and, um, and it's just that the movie is very unfocused until it's focused. And when it is focused, it's focused. And again, with
0: the retelling from that point on to me, I mean, look at the things that happen with, uh, you got the dinner scene again, kind of the same mm. thing. Grandpa coming out of the wheelchair, whacking her in the head. She gets away. You've still got the scene instead of it being, you know, for the guy from the first movie, you got Chop top, strapping her across the back with the razor, which in the fir- first movie she's running out to the road and he's behind her and he's just whacking her in the back with the razor. In this one she's trying to crank the chainsaw. She gets it cranked, knocks Chop Chop out of there, and then she does the leather face dance at the end. So it's still taking those things from the first movie and retelling it.
4: Yeah, I have two notes that, that pertain to that directly. One is it's the same shtick, just not as suspenseful. Right. I mean, right. I mean it, it Maybe because you know what's going to happen or maybe because you've seen it before or maybe just because everything's so over the top, you're already desensitized. And the first one does a great job of just making you off kilter and unsettled the whole time. And the next note I have is at the end, it's a personal nightmare to have to pull start anything, you know, that has <laughs> that has that kind of engine <laughs> under duress. It's like if you don't start this lawnmower, the you know, the world's going to end. I, I have a hard enough time starting those pull starts. <laughs> As is. Some kind of <laughs> ass. Those things are crazy inefficient. Mm.
0: Well, and the ending of it, too, gives you that ending that was starting to happen a lot at this point. Because remember, our favorite actor, Corey Feldman, uh, what he did. uh in, You mean our
4: favorite singer? Uh,
0: favorite singer, actor, oh, yeah, yeah. dancer, Corey Feldman. You know, he can do it all. Poet. And yeah. uh, <laughs> he makes an appearance on episode 19, folks, if you haven't checked it out. Just like he did in the. Friday the 13th, part four, you know, at the end of it, you think, well, maybe he's gone insane and he's going to be the killer now. They kind of set it up where Stretch could take it from this point because you get that mad maniacal look in her eyes and she's got the chainsaw. That was just kind of a trend of the time. So, again, it those things work just because those were the happening themes of the time. So nothing new there, but it was just, I don't know, it was an 80s flick. Joe Bob
4: Briggs yeah. likes it. Well, that does bring it up a notch, actually, for me. I have, yeah, I have a great deal of respect for Joe Bob Briggs. All right, so my reasons: I got stretched the DJ Duncan had a uh, chop top, who is it was number six on my uh, on my list of things. Um, and of course, you got Dennis Hopper. Um, I've got Leatherface's Dead Man costume and the guy with the holographic sunglasses. I've got the 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 over-bow-legged guys at the hotel. <laughs> you know, we have a descent into madness into kind of a Mad Max Texas theme park arena where all bets are off. And people are just meat. We haven't even mentioned the the whole fact that this guy's making his money selling prize-winning chili.
3: Oh, gotcha.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> That's one of them
0: there,
4: peppercorns. When, <laughs> when we get into the deep analysis of this, we really need to come back to the fact that, that it's... I want to say that Toby Hooper probably had a plan, but I think it's just a big joke. Yeah. (laughs) I I think that that ultimately he was like, here are the movies we're making now. And he got, you know, Golan Globos over here saying, make us a movie, man. And he he just made it as crazy as they let him. When when Dennis Hopper chops open that wall and a whole bunch of guts just come out of it. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, like, how is that even anything? (laughs) <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're slaughtering people to, for, for meat and the meat is your bread and butter, you know, not to be punished on that, but like if, if the meat that makes your chili is all that's important to you, how's it in the walls? You know, it, it's just, it's just ridiculous craziness. And, yeah, that's the and whole they point, put you though. in the middle of it and they, and they kind of hearken back to the first one a couple of times and then they just let you do whatever you're going to do with it. I mean,
0: Well, that's what happens when you're on coke, man, because when Bob Ezrin did The Elder with Kiss, he thought it was a good idea. When Toby Hooper made Texas Chainsaw 2, he said, you know, it'd be cool if there's blood come out of the mouth or one of the mouths on the wall. It's a painting and you kick it and guts come flying out. Hey, Tom, you think you can pull that off? Yeah, I can do that, Toby.
4: Well, and then you got what it was part three where Leatherface was like king arthur and there was a silver chainsaw (laughs) i mean that's just the promo that's just the promo though it's just the the point that the mythology had taken over and any legitimate frightening elements to it we're just going to go to the wayside because they were looking for more jump scares and and shock attacks and and it's fun to watch for the fact that it's just crazy right but Uh but as far as it being scary I
1: don't know that it ever will be.
0: It's not no. scary, but no. those images, like you said, stay in your head. So it did something.
1: Yeah, it's. But I think it's It's almost unintentional because I think if you look at Pooper as a director, and you look at many films that guys actually done his <laughs> <laughs> kind of hit ratio where everything actually works or he makes a movie like legitimately love. Is very very low. I mean, he's he's made a lot of really 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 bad movies. When he's on point, he makes some of you know he's he's up there. He is a quote unquote master of horror, but you know this, this dude has made some some pretty awful kind of trite uh, movies in the past. And takes a chance on Musker. I think you. I think Danny's spot on. I think. Cannon were throwing so much money anywhere and he did not even... I, I can, It was either one or two things. Either he said... They approached him and said, we want you to make a horror movie and he was like, that. Oh, I suppose we could make Texas Chainsaw 2, which is going to be greenlit anyway because you right. know, it's easy to market Texas Chainsaw 2. Either that or, you know, was it was all Hooper just wanting to see how far he could push things um in terms of just ridiculous over the top almost as a statement of look what well, we can i can i can make anything um and it it feels like that it does feel like that and there's no it, 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 I, I can't imagine like Danny was saying it was ever scary um but it's it's so weird as a movie it's very difficult not to continue talking about it some what four, 30, 40 years on right. uh, 30 years on, it's, it's very difficult not to talk about it because it's so weird and in a, in a decade where movies were weird um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is is almost at the top of the pile as one of these weird oddities that cost quite a bit of money, has production has, you know, names attached to it, has named actors attached to it, had really good special effects and is just in any other scenario this movie is, you know, is it's a piece of rubbish, right. but for whatever reason, it seems to endure with the credibility of fans in a weird way. It's, yeah, like If this movie came out now, everyone would hate it. If this movie came out the decade before, everyone would hate it. If it came out in the 90s, everyone would hate it, but the fact it came out in the 80s, it's, right. it works. So it's just the right time. To, yeah. And we're totally
0: but, forgetting the fact we haven't brought it up we keep talking about the effects, but this is Tom Savini at the top of his game during this uh-huh. time period. So some really good effects, as far as I'm concerned. You know, peeling off LG's face and all that stuff. I mean, there's some there's some stuff that make you go hmm. times. You know,
4: <laughs> and what all- about that guy just waking up long <laughs> enough to free her hands and then and then yeah. you know dying. You know, yeah, that's awesome, man. <laughs> but <laughs> there's there's also the fact, yeah, you know, and I think Duncan hit the nail on the head. This. This movie is an epitome of the time it came from. Because right. put it next to uh, Friday the 13th Part 6.
0: Yeah. Oh, here we go. You
4: know, <laughs> it, Friday the 13th Part 6 no, is on. arguably whoa, 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 whoa. My, my favorite whoa, whoa, whoa. one. Hold but, on.
0: Hold on now. Hold on now. We're going to talk about Ridiculous it, and you're, how, how how ridiculous this movie is. And you're going to bring up Friday the 13th Part 6.
4: <laughs> I'm, I'm comparing them as as signs of where the 80s were. Okay. I'm with uh, you. They, they had okay. gotten to the point where they were trying for any legitimate scares And they had gotten to the point where they were accelerating everything to a level where they could just like like Duncan said, they they were trying to see what they could get away with. Right. Mm -hmm. How how big the body count, how many different kinds of crazy kills, uh, how superhuman are the the bad guys? You know, it's not just a killer and you know exactly who they are at the beginning. So it's not a mystery. It's just how many people can be mutilated, how many different ways. That's all it was, man,
0: about the body count, just like the iced tea.
4: So so if you think about it in that way that they were trying to find a vessel to carry as much of a body count as possible then this movie's kind of genius. To me you you nailed it because when
0: I think of this movie I put it in the category of Friday the 13th part 6, part 7, you know, those those movies where it was just grab your popcorn, let's go have a good time watch a, a goofy gory movie. That's the way yeah. I see this movie, right? Yeah.
4: Right. It, it's like a laughable, you know. Oh my right. God, oh, yeah. I can't believe she got killed. Not, that's a, right. not a. Oh my God, I can't believe she got killed. <laughs> yeah, Betty, baddie, <batty>, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, okay. I think we all reached that agreement, folks. If you're watching this or you want to watch this, that's what you need to be looking for. It, it is an entertainment movie. Yeah, it's cool because it ties in a bit to the folklore of Texas Chainsaw, but really, this is its own thing. I think it's a lot of fun it's a nonsense movie with Dennis Hopper in it and a ten Buck three soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> so let's give this thing a rating, man. What do you say?
4: Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm going to give it i uh, I'm going to give it six bow legged cowboys in hotel. <laughs> always throwing stuff at Toby Hooper. I'm going to oh. give it seven
0: French fry, uh, log cabins.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should have it- mentioned that.
0: Yeah, LG is sitting making a, a log cabin out of french fries. That's pretty awesome.
4: <laughs> pretty good.
0: Duncan.
1: Uh, I give it five peppercorns for the chili. Oh, I know what they really are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, as always,
0: Brian Blessed, what do you think of Texas Chainsaw Part 2?
2: Let the combat begin to the death. Mm.
1: Oh. He sounded a little angry. Well, yeah. you imagine Brian Blessed in Texas Chainsaw 2 Oh my god! So it's the only thing that's missing. It's the only thing <laughs> I'd le-
4: <laughs> Didn't Didn't Brian Blessed play uh, play Leatherface in
1: that? Yes, yes. <laughs> Just getting this idea of him trying to start that chainsaw. I've got a girlfriend.
3: Bot. <laughs> bot. Uh, oh. I'm a killer. <laughs>
0: ...with a chainsaw! (laughs) Alright. We'll be right back, folks. Where is the one place... ...to satisfy all your chainsaw needs? Cooter's Chainsaw Empire. Where is the best place... ...that you can find the best price... ...on two-cycle fuel? Cooter's Chainsaw Empire. Where can you go shopping and spit on the floor. Cooter's Chainsaw Empire. That's right, Cooter's. And we carry 16 brand name quality chainsaws in assorted sizes and colors, and all American made, none of that yin yang stuff in here. And let me tell you, there are many uses for a chainsaw besides cleaning up your yard after a Texas tornado. From warning your neighbor that you mean business when you say, get out of my yard, to just a conversation piece over the fireplace, or even a family heirloom. Also, you can pick up a home light hedge trimmer for the missus. We even let you test them out right in front of the store so everyone can see the quality. So drive on down to Sawyer's Lane, turn right at the pond, Just a little jog by the honeysuckles, and you'll see a great big cooter. Come on out, won't you? All right, welcome back to the second movie of episode twenty pieces. Uh, it's uh, it's one of a kind, folks, and uh, (laughs) (laughs) I would say it's not for everyone. But uh, I don't know, I. I'm a fan of it just because of. You think Texas Chainsaw Two is crazy? Nah, this one's crazier. So, uh, yeah. so before we get into that, I don't know how Danny did it, but he actually tracked down to do a synopsis. He tracked down Macaulay Culkin. This is 1999, Macaulay Culkin. I've been <laughs> at, left home alone to tell you about this. The movie pieces. But first, a word of wisdom. As my Uncle Buck used to say, Stay away from my girl, Richie Rich. Pieces is a story of the makings of E.T., the extraterrestrial, and the use of Reese's Pieces instead of M&M's. When m and stepped away from the movie, Reese's Pieces, Pieces stepped up like a good son. What a page master. It's a fun movie with lots of behind-the-scenes info and more than a few laughs. Well, I'm off to go hang out with Michael Jackson. See you soon.
4: Macaulay out.
1: like <laughs> <laughs> could it be the greatest thing that you've ever played on this show. <laughs> it, it wasn't just
4: Macaulay Culkin. I, I actually tracked down... Um, 1990s Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> you used that N- not the 36-year-old that that is today. <laughs> you, but, uh, used the,
0: you used the time machine, didn't you?
4: Yeah. There we go. <laughs> 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 the worst thing about the time machine is, you know, just... Having to listen the whole time, you're going back in time.
0: You can't shut it off. That's the thing is, once you, you try to shut it off, it just doubles it. You go faster in time, just like Huey Lewis. Gonna go back in
3: time.
4: Oh, that, that's our. There's our next uh, synopsis. is from Huey Lewis in oh, uh, 1981. <laughs>
0: All right, set your way back machine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Duncan McLeish!
3: <laughs> yes?
0: <laughs> Why do we watch Pieces?
1: The first reason the first reason you watch Pieces this is oh, wait a minute, there's so many reasons you need to watch Pieces, like, like the fact that we're condensing this down into, <laughs> I, I have too much I want to say about this movie Hey, you the, take all the time you want, man <laughs> The first reason to watch Pieces um, is the obvious one, it's the one that everyone's going to jump to or is it? Um is Linda Day George as Mary Ricks Uh, I don't know if everyone else is cool with that but she's one of the reasons to watch me she's she's attractive in a weird sort of way she's too old to be like a world champion tennis player but (laughs) in this movie she is and she's also a cop because tennis players don't make enough Money, I'm not, I'm not too sure about that. Um, and she's going to go undercover as a tennis coach, and she is legitimately the worst tennis player we see from just her side of the court. Um, man, that she, like,
0: no, the tennis match, man, it's just She the
4: loves same him scenes. high and soft,
1: man. She loves yeah. him high and soft. <laughs> just, 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 not, um, <laughs> also taking it into account that, um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, she is overdubbed horribly, <laughs> overacts to a level which doesn't even sense in the movie and the infamous bastard scene is one of the greatest <laughs> it's one of the greatest moments captured in cinema it really I don't even mean that sarcastically <laughs> I mean it is one of the greatest scenes in cinema history and I put that against any other scene in history, it Is up there oh. it just is so over the top and it doesn't make sense and it is is the most wonderful thing and she is the reason behind that her character Mary Riggs in this movie is the weirdest plot device to get a cop undercover <laughs> ever just, yeah, of all the other ways they could have done it this is a huge school but they're going to like find a way to get a tennis court in there and bring in a tennis teacher it's just yeah Who's oh,
4: the she,
0: undercover cop? Yeah, <laughs> she amazing. may be the
4: she may be the only character that's female in this movie that that doesn't get completely naked too. <laughs> this is also, <laughs> I mean, maybe she, her and the and the secretary and everybody else, <laughs> the clothes
3: are off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that stupid tennis match though man. <laughs> so oh, man they took like two or three scenes period and just spliced them over and over and over
1: <laughs> and then hitting that what, ball back and forth what, what, what I like of it is they, they keep zooming around to the crowd and everyone's <laughs> head moves at different times to follow the ball <laughs> Like, they're not all moving at the same time to follow this. They're moving very slow to begin with, so the ball's not travelling fast. But there are people that follow the what you imagine would be the line of the ball, and others have still not started moving yet.
0: The fact that they're up on a high rise and you keep seeing the ball pass back and forth, and when you look at them on a court, they're barely hitting it over the net.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> the fact that there's only 20 people watching that match, but when one of them scores a point, it sounds like Wimbledon blows my mind.
4: I was going to say, for tw- I've got it in my notes, for 20 attendees, they have quite a fanfare. Huge, <laughs> it's huge. It's, totally, it's totally, it's like you can see all the people in one frame and they're all in one row. And, and then like when, when there's a point, it's like, <laughs> it's like the Olympics <laughs> or something.
1: It's what it should have sounded like. It wasn't. <laughs> so yeah, Linda, Linda George in this movie, uh, is one of the top reasons to watch it for all the reasons. And she doesn't come in until a good 25 minutes into the movie, but when she does, it just becomes a whole lot more wonderful. Yeah, I, I My first reason to watch
4: pieces is Willard the Crazy Gardener. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Yep. Played by Paul L. Smith. I mean, I, I knew him from, you know, as soon, I recognized him immediately the way that he like turns his head and looks at everybody from the side of his head, like both of his eyes, like point in one direction, like, like he, like he's suspicious of everybody who asks him any question ever. Yeah. And 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 he's caressing lovingly his chainsaw, you know, like, Oh, he's got to be the killer. Look at that guy. I mean, he is great. The best question comes in. I love him. The best question
0: he gets asked, Willard, don't you run the music?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh God, no,
0: like, wh- They don't let me touch the electronics.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Willard's been changed in this movie to obvious red herring. That <laughs> right. should have been his name. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. From the, from the from the first moment he is on screen, you're like, hmm. <laughs> this guy you know, oh, this guy has a chainsaw mm. uh, this guy looks shifty mm. I think this is a red herring uh, he looks over
4: at, at two kids over there having sex in the garden and he's like
2: mm.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally up my, messing up my landscaping <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, Oh well what? Willard shouldn't you move on to the next job or something <laughs> no I, I kind of like it here <laughs> so
0: uh first thing for me i don't know this this is top on my list of why to watch it but it kind of gets stuck in your head and that's this right here oh yeah (laughs) i don't even know why they just bother turning the thing off because it plays like every 20 seconds (laughs) yeah
1: this music's done by a guy called cam Cam scored anything else <laughs> if this is the only thing he scored then he, he did like a wonderful job of it. it is the weirdest score for a movie i think ever because it's <laughs> it's like a really bad goblin right you know what i mean it's like it's like they were like we, we can't afford claudio Simonetti, so we'll get this guy in who has like seven sounds on a keyboard um, and that's the same <laughs> what it does the whole soundtrack out of.
0: and it's it's dead up uh, dawn of the dead <laughs> You know, oh god, doom, yeah, doom, 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 doom. It's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's non stop, it's more than the song that's in the Howling too. I can tell you that, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Duncan. Okay. What's your second reason, right? My, my second reason to watch this movie is the Kung Fu Instructor. <laughs>
0: that was my next one. <laughs>
1: Because just when you think you've got a, just when you think you're watching PCs and you're like, I have not a clue where this is going. I don't know why they're doing it, but at least this movie doesn't have martial arts. And then all of a sudden, martial arts, and not only martial arts, very bad martial arts. So Linda Day George is walking along. All of a sudden, this small Asian man jumps out of some bushes and tries to attack her. Um, we don't know why. Um, But he is quite violent towards her. um, And then she eventually manages to sidestep and hit him between the legs, which makes him fall over just before um, Kendall arrives. And we're going to talk about Kendall. (laughs) We need to talk about Kendall. It's like we need to talk about Kevin. on a motorcycle too. Like he's he's like, like let let me ride this
4: motorcycle down the alleyway. What's going on?
1: Oh, (laughs) that's just my Kung Fu instructor. (laughs) That's it. He's like, he... He tries to physically assault a woman. He plays for some bad chop suey that he's had and all is forgiven in this movie. <laughs> uh, I, know it was, I, know, I know it was a different time, but I'm just saying attempted rape is still attempted rape, regardless what you bet beforehand. Um, yeah, it's just a, It is one of the weirdest <laughs> scenes.
4: It almost gets in there with... Uh... With what is it cabin fever? With the pancake
3: pancakes thing. Pancakes.
1: Yeah, it's 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 surreal watching it because I never touched on again. We, we you know what kind of university is this that there's a kung fu instructor for kung fu class? Where are you going today? Well, I have seven periods of kung fu. Uh, it's close to the end too. Like the the
4: movie's been on for a while when this happens, and it's just kind of out and out in space it
1: doesn't really pertain to anything like you said it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't fit i mean kendall's driving around on a motorbike which deliberately sims like the chainsaw you think that obviously that maybe someone might be attacking linda d george character uh, because you can hear this in the background this kind of chainsaw sound and then as like a false jump scare maybe right. <laughs> um Professor Wu or whatever his name is comes jumping at a bush, and it's just, it's just a ridiculous scene, um, but not the most ridiculous scene in this movie, and that's, that's what I love not, about it. In any other arm, movie, yeah, in any other movie, this is the most ridiculous scene, but in this movie, it's mid-tier ridiculous. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's just one of many, many, many scenes that people will always talk about when they talk about this movie is what about that comfort scene? Oh yeah, that movie That movie has a confit scene. It's just weird. My second reason
4: for watching uh, pieces is uh, is jazzercise. Oh yeah. I, there, there's like an, an exceeding <laughs> amount of jazzercise in both like a jazzercise class scene and then like there's one chick who's just jazzercising for a long period of time down a hallway.
3: And you've got, like,
4: this this soccer cam on her. And she's, like, dancing her way to the bathroom, which is down a hall and a flight of stairs and down another hall and through a way. And, like, she's, like, a mile and a half away from the class (laughs) in this dark hallway at night. I don't don't know what to say about that. And seven and eight and kick and turn. Now turn. (laughs) Kick.
0: (laughs) Kick. Kick. Turn. Kind of like the uh, Pirate King workout, kind of.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> this is the only. This is the only kind of dance class area where the changing rooms are not off the side of it. <laughs> to get to like any sort of bathroom, you have to walk legitimate <laughs> distance. Um, I, what I love about that as well is later on we have that you know the woman that's like doing the 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 jazzercise, so it's being the kind of sexy dance that she's doing, and the killer. We assume it's coming to get her, but then decides to, instead of entering the door that he's outside of, walk right. around the building to come in the other door, which takes three minutes. It's
0: forever. It's like you could have just hid behind the door when she comes out and grab her. Yeah. <laughs> but no, as, he sneaks as, around as, the other side. Well, what I love before uh, that is he's watching them when they're practicing. And at that point, I guess he goes back home puts a couple more pieces of the puzzle together, and says, oh, I guess I'll <laughs> go back now. And the big okay. takeaway from this movie, folks, if you learn anything from the Helming Power Hour, this is what you're going to learn. It is near impossible to put a puzzle together with big rubber gloves on.
1: That's about when he actually gets like, frustrated <laughs> he just bangs it. <laughs> he's banging on that thing, man. That's
0: why he's so angry. He can't get the puzzle together. If he take the gloves off, he may have a chance
1: but that woman that he's chasing down all the, this is brilliant the woman that he's chasing down all the area like coming through the door and all the rest eventually manages to escape him and then she goes into a lift or an elevator oh um, gosh and, yeah. and the, the killer goes in with her with a giant chainsaw <laughs> hidden behind his back which he then pulls out in front of her she's still not alarmed until he revs up <laughs> It's just amazing.
0: It's a big, bright yellow chainsaw. I mean, yeah. how do you, you can't hide this behind
4: your back? <laughs> he's just got it tucked back there, you know, like, like oh, don't worry about what I've got behind my <laughs> back. It's it's just a three and a half foot long chainsaw. Yeah, like but she knows, said, who,
1: she knows who the killer is, and this is the weird thing about the movie. Yeah. She recognizes a killer yeah. when oh, you realize you. who the killer is in this movie. There is no reason at all that that guy should have a chainsaw ever. like ever like there's no logical reason why you'd be looking at that guy saying oh you've got a chainsaw that's okay please come into my elevator (laughs) it makes no sense it's amazing
0: and i love too going back to the dance part (laughs) she's in there dancing by herself and the music's real loud and she goes and turns off a jam box that's <laughs> not even 12 inches long.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Normally, you would think we'd have the hell-mean going off the whole time. But we're not making this stuff up. <laughs> this is actually the movie.
3: <laughs>
0: uh, we're not faking it, folks. Uh, How about the waterbed? That's on my list. Oh, I've never yeah, seen a movie right. make such a big deal about a waterbed. <laughs> Yeah,
4: like there's nothing better than smoking weed and having sex on a waterbed.
1: Like, <laughs> which, who are you people? Which is a line that's recreated, and um, I'm sure it's uh, it's Final Girls, the the Final Girls, the the movie that came out last year. A brilliant kind of yeah slasher co- comedy, but it's like PG thirteen, and they repeat that line in that movie, and I'm like that. That's the extent of how yeah this movie's impact is on cinema is it's a movie that's just known. We know there's a waterbed there. It's mentioned much earlier in the movie, but it's mentioned in such a way that it's a kind of funny level. You forget that there's a waterbed in this. Why would there be a waterbed in this, you know, in this (laughs) university? So you forget it. And then later on, they use it for a death scene. (laughs) And I'm like that. Someone... Has wanted a, a, a waterbed destiny, but the, the thing about this which makes it unusual from everything else is everything else in this movie is just flung in. Like, Kung Fu Guy appears out of nowhere, you right. know. Like, guy, not like, but the fact to make reference to this waterbed earlier on in the movie shows a surprising level of forethought in the script, which the rest <laughs> of the movie doesn't have at all. <laughs> it's like i will not believe there's a waterbed here unless we mention it, but the Kung Fu instructor's fine.
0: And, and one thing I love about this, the killer not only can use a chainsaw, but he is the master of the pool net. <laughs> he takes a net for, like, getting, I don't know, float toys or something out of the pool. You know, it's just the, the one that's only about, I don't know, 12 inches around. And he puts it on her head, and she acts like she cannot get out.
4: <laughs> when he pulls her up on the on the edge there, too, she's so exhausted. <laughs> Yeah. She, she can't can move while net, he goes man. over and picks up the chainsaw yeah. and starts it up and then comes
1: back Yeah, like, you know, and she was really swimming hard against that net. But when she's like when, when her body's discovered, they bring Professor Brown exactly. down because he knows a bit of anatomy and they ask him and his you, professional pin, opinion could the chainsaw, the bloody chainsaw <laughs> lying next to the body hacked up by a chainsaw could Real the chainsaw be the weapon
0: could a chainsaw cause these types of injuries?
1: It's a bloody chainsaw <laughs> lying there on the floor. That, right <laughs> beside the body, which has been hacked up. And they ask him that. And he's like, oh, he's like oh, you're <laughs> like, clearly to the layman. But like, it's just, oh, it's amazing. Right, I'll, I'll hit you with one right now. Reasons to watch this movie. And we, we said this off air, but this is basically like a play on the Jallo. That's oh, yeah. what it is. It's a gloved killer. I mean, for all intents and purposes, this movie, even as absurd as it is, is a giallo, because yeah. it's a gloves killer who has had a traumatic traumatic event that's happened to him as a child, which sparks back up later on in his life to cause these kills. There's a police procedural where someone is brought into the you know to work with the police that shouldn't be working in the police um and the killer makes no sense at the end. Um, so uh, for all intents and purposes this is a jalo. In fact right. if you weren't a purist, you'd be fine by saying pieces is a jalo. But the we have the traumatic event at the beginning which we see, which is very deep red. Um and then the the catalyst for causing these these things to happen is our killer sees a girl, and this is amazing, because this is right out of a cartoon. The, the killer sees a girl on rollerblades, uh, or roller skates, <laughs> come down a hill and go through a plate glass which two workers are carrying across the street. She smashes through this, which recalls the image of his mum smashing a mirror as a child, which kicks off all the killing again. But the fact that this, this is in this movie, someone someone goes through a plate glass that two workers is carrying. Like, right? I mean, the glass might as well have had Acme written through it. Exactly. The, fa- the fact that that <laughs> happens in this movie is a catalyst is right away, right at the very start of this movie, sums up the absurdity of the entire right. movie. From that yeah. point onwards, uh, you, you should be sitting there as an audience going, oh, this is something different <laughs> and I don't know if I like it. <laughs> um, and, but the longer you watch it, the more you start to like it. That's, that's the
0: beauty of it, because uh, I'm going to take a page out of out of Duncan's playbook here, but whew, when's the first time you saw this movie, Duncan?
1: Oh, I remember this was on... Uh, like I, I got into horror really young, and I remember this was on a home video set that someone had. I want to say it was either one of my best friends or was my babysitter, and it was... Um, I don't know where they got it from, but it was on with... What was the other movie? Oh, it was an equally ridiculous movie. Um, but there's there's an equally ridiculous movie on it. It was like a double thing on this video. Um, and this was the second movie. And I remember we always watched the first movie, but I can't remember. That goes to show how profound pieces <laughs> is, as I remember that movie. And it was one that no one should remember. The other movie was the bigger name. And watching it and then not seeing it for years after it, but having like snippets of this movie in my head right that i could remember specific scenes and then it wasn't until i was maybe early 20s that i come back across this movie Uh, and once again i was like in a bootleg um and watching it then and going because i thought the clips were from about three or four different movies i'd never pieced them together and watching it and going oh this is all one movie (laughs) you know what I mean? this is this is all one movie that the you know but I mean, you would be the same you remember a, kid, uh, a movie right. from your childhood and you'd be like that nah, I, I i need to try and track down this movie all i remember is this one scene well i thought i had about six movies worth of these one scenes <laughs> um and they were all in the same movie and it has been i, I got the dvd point arrow released it uh, which is a couple of years ago now. It was one of the first titles I put out. I've seen this movie easily over fifty times. Wow. is like I watch it maybe two <laughs> or three times a year because it's like chicken food, uh, chicken soup for the soul for me. Whenever <laughs> I'm feeling down, you put on pieces. Whenever you want to laugh, you put on pieces. I, I guarantee in October I will watch pieces again. Even though I've just watched it to record this show, I will watch <laughs> it again before the year is out. And I've already seen it twice this year. Man, I never get never get bored of it. Never get bored of it.
0: I probably saw this back in 86, 87, you know, VHS boom. You picked up anything that had a halfway crazy looking cover on it. So that was my exposure to it. The reason I got into all this is (laughs) because I think this is the first time Danny saw it. And like he was even halfway through it and he's already sending me a message saying this thing is bad.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I gave it the whole movie though, you know, to, to be fair, I mean, I'm not going to not watch the whole thing. And, and it started to grow on me near the end. I just, like I said, I had some misconceptions about what it was. I I did think it, it was a parody. And then when I realized it was just made to be like, you know, I, I kind of gave it a little slack and, um, like, like I said, it didn't take me long to come up with several reasons to watch being a layman, you know, be, being this the first time I, I had to I had to kind of come to it.
0: So I'm I'm trying to defend the thing while he's watching and go, no, man, it's fun. It's fun. You, and, you know, it's all about when you see it, how you see it and all those things. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's well, not I, good. I, it's not good I, I, by any worse. means.
1: I sat down with uh, the bass for my show's horror novice. It's seemed very well. The whole purpose of the things I do in my show with him is to bring him into horror. We did a commentary on PCs, so we did like a video commentary. <laughs> and up until this year, um, he was of the opinion that it was one of the worst films he's ever seen. Right. He hated it. He didn't get the. He didn't get the humor. He didn't understand what was going on at all in the movie he just thought it was just like the worst movie he's ever seen and I can't what you understand is if you like pieces you can't defend pieces to anyone right because you're right it is one of the worst it's technically a terrible movie the narrative is awful the acting is atrocious by actors in their day were turning in good I mean Christopher George who we'll get on to because he's a must talk about Christopher George had been in um Oh, um, the Fulci stuff. I mean, Yeah, the Fulci stuff. Uh, the name escapes me. The first one at the Zombie. trilogy. City of the Living Dead. City of the Living Dead. And he's great in City of the Living Dead, which is the year before pieces. Hmm. So he makes City of the Living Dead, performs brilliant, makes this movie as not great. Um, <laughs> By any stretch of the imagination. Linda D. George as well. Great actress at the time. Did a lot of genre stuff. Terrible in this movie. Right. And it's... Like, so the acting's bad, the narrative's bad The special effects are actually pretty good for the time Actually, I think they're well above average Story doesn't make sense The reveal of the killer's really bad The last shot of this movie, which is something we're going to have to talk about Is is so nonsensical It makes everything else in the world make sense um, but If anyone says that it's a bad movie I cannot argue that but it's so much fun to watch and like every scene you're just like that. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen next. And even <laughs> if you think you know what's going to happen next, it's not what happens next. Um, watching it for the first time as an adult, I can't even imagine how that would be at all. I, I can't, I can't put my, my myself in that mindset at all. Um, because and, and to, to think of well, people like PCs. why do people like PCs? Um, the thing I'll say is uh, my 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 uh, my point on PCs, uh really, really simple and then I'll shut up because I'm talking too much. because uh, <laughs> I love this movie. <laughs> um tagline for this movie that has two taglines, and I think they're probably the greatest two taglines in cinema as well. First one, you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre, which is like blatantly ripping off. <laughs> There's a giant chainsaw on right. the front of the cover. Um, and, you know, they mentioned the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, I mean, that's 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 bad. You shouldn't do that, but they <laughs> did that because they don't care. Um, the second thing is just a simple, simple, simple tagline, and it's it's exactly what you think it is. That's that's my favourite one. Uh, uh, yeah, I, and it's not. Pieces is not exactly what you think it is. <laughs> pieces could be anything. I guarantee to anyone that hears the name Pieces that sits down to watch this movie this is not what you think it's going to be like. It it couldn't be, there's almost some sort of weird prowess in coming up with that because pieces is exactly what you think it is. It's not anywhere near describing (laughs) how bad this movie is. I love it though. It's great. It's right to the point. too.
0: I'll tell you why I love it. One of the reasons I got is this movie is, like you said, is influential, (laughs) but I think the pool throwdown. So when they, (laughs) when they (laughs) capture Willard and they have the big fight scene, can only be described as the predecessors to the fighting old boy, because <laughs> they're jumping around, hitting him with boards, and they're surrounding him. And
4: <laughs> yeah, I uh, in that scene, I, I totally thought of Tor Johnson, you oh, know, yeah. from the yeah you know, the the old monster from all the monster movies. You know, he was a, was a wrestler, right? I mean, yeah. I think George the Animal Steel played him when they did uh, the Ed Wood movie, right. and and brought him in. I love I the fact love that it.
1: you get that if only finally stops when someone pulls a gun on him and says, "Stop it! I'll blow your head off," and he's still <laughs> giving that kid of squinty <laughs> grimace thing over, like over the top of his shoulder. Bro,
4: absolutely. Actually, I've got yeah. that. I've got that line written down right here. Where with my first reason being Willard, he says, "Hold it, or I'll blow your brains out." And, and again, it's one of those those canned like they could have just had that sound bite from a cop show, just throwing it in there. Didn't just, even need a real cop with a gun. You could have the one, don't even think about it, pal.
0: Don't even breathe. Don't even breathe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he's one of the worst cops ever. He's like talking, cannot be bothered. I am about Seven years over retirement age, and I shouldn't <laughs> be here. He's like a weird kind of. He looks like Frank Drebin, which instantly right. puts me kind of wee bit <laughs> right. like, like you're going to crack funny jokes. But see later on when they're in the library, and <laughs> it's the uh, best. The case for us and they bring they're bringing Kendall to work with him, and he's like, <laughs> Ah, do you want to be a police officer? Do you? With that, and then essentially the next thing he tells them is they need to get take out food and you know like drink lots of coffee and i was like yeah you're pretty much summing up (laughs) this is your career right here and he doesn't find the clue that cracks the case either it's kendall that finds it kendall that guy's been in there all day and found nothing kendall's in there for an hour and cracks the case it's amazing Number one on
0: my list is Sergeant Holden. <laughs> that's, that's my number one reason to watch this movie because he is so, yeah, man. It's just another case, no big deal. And I love try- it. When, <laughs> I love they, it when they, Christopher George calls him and says, "Well, take some uppers and get me a lead."
1: <laughs> they, like they throw in this weird, like this this movie has so many weird like sub stories going on, and one of the sub stories is that. You know, Sergeant Holden is trying to get Lieutenant Bracken to stop smoking. Right. And so, like, they constantly have this conversation about I'm not having any. You know, do you have a light or whatever? And he, he won't give him a light. And that's uh, that's played through this movie more yep. than once. once again, this is like someone has actually attempted to give these characters a bit more of a kind of three dimensionality about them, which. Well, and it blows my mind that that happens and that's like a wee sub story in this because it keeps coming up Sergeant Holden will not give him a for kind of, freeze
0: it's kind of like the detective in Deep Red though, who's always eating so yes. you can see where they again to me this is a guy that's a fan of these movies or wanted to make a movie that kind of fit into that genre he just watched these other movies and tried to throw it all into one movie together he tried to take a Fulci movie and an Argento movie and mash them together and this is what of, you uh, get.
4: Kind of reminds me of John Saxon saying, see,
1: the hat didn't come off my head. The hat didn't come off. But the that's, next not, reason a, that that's that I've, not a uh, movie.
0: But that's, that's really in a movie. It's awesome. The
4: next reason that I've got is, is the... When he's talking to our uh, our undercover cop, you know, and he's having a long conversation about it in the middle of public, and the woman comes in, and, I, and mind you, at this point, I just still didn't know who the killer was. So okay. the dean says to her, "I'm too busy to talk to anyone." <laughs> he's yeah. in this conversation is obviously casual, and she's like, "I have information, and I want to talk about the the problems that are on the, the you know, i.e. the the murders." And he's like, "I'm too busy to talk to anyone right now." And that's his whole excuse. Like, you know, he doesn't even leave. He continues to talk to the undercover cop, like, and just kind of sends her off into the ether.
1: Um, <laughs> and I, I,
4: I decided that was a reason to watch it because it, it's just, you have to see it to believe.
1: Bizarre. It. She looks like weirdly, the the reporter woman that asked those questions looks weirdly like Daria Nicolodi as well, yeah, which agree. is really strange because it once again has that kind of jalo feel. But she is in the police department earlier on. Right. When. Um, she recognizes Linda. Dears.
0: Linda. Linda George. Yeah,
1: she was. She was in. She was in the police office, and when she asks uh, Christopher George about the murder, he says, "Ah, these stories pop up on a campus every couple of months. So we're now living in a scenario that every couple of months there are stories <laughs> that there are multiple students dying by being <laughs> hacked up by chainsaws, just like that." Thinking, ladies and gentlemen.
0: <laughs> Here's my question: uh, You know the girl's out playing tennis by herself on the court hitting all the balls to one side, then running to the other side and hitting them back across the other side playing. And then all of a sudden the music plays, she gets upset. And apparently when they play the music, it means it's time to take a shower. I haven't figured out the connection <laughs> here of she hears the music and gets very upset and it's shower time.
4: Well, you know, that's what they do on college campuses and athletic programs. When your time is up on the court and you have to make way for Conversations between undercover cops and deans. Um, they play the music really loudly on the PA and, and that, that signals, you know, hit the showers there, cream puff.
0: All right. That was, I just didn't understand. Well, I'm not the collegiate do. type. So,
4: yeah, I've, I've spent many years in uh, academic life. It's part of my research
0: research <laughs> which i'm not allowed to talk about well, actually I, 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 don't, I, we don't discuss
4: that. i can't talk right now <laughs>
1: to anyone
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 one of my reasons and we've kind of touched on it we have to we have we have to talk about kendall right um Kendall is a strange strange character when you when you put it out so he's a bit of a ladies man we're led to believe but <laughs> there's a line and I've forgotten what it is and I hate myself right now um, um, when he's in the bed with the girl who wants more sex from and I can't remember what she says is one of the worst sex lines ever
4: yeah it's She's says, you, can, you can gag me and then I won't hmm. make noise something like that <laughs> If we just doing do it again, it's during the whole oh. frontal male nudity scene, too. He's right. all
1: he's out there, yeah, yeah. He he he, he whaps it out, um, and uh, <laughs> but he's like so, he's a ladies' man, but there's like he apparently strikes out with quite a few ladies, but he kind of inserts himself into the conversation kind of early in, in the movie, in that he's the one that kind of helps Willard be caught. And then as soon as Lieutenant Bracken interviews him, Bracken's like that, this guy could be future police force material, maybe. Um, so he's then brought in as the only person that now knows that Linda G- Linda Day is undercover out with the faculty staff, um, which once again, why you would do that is beyond I me. Mean, why would you tell the rest <laughs> of the faculty there's an undercover cop here when the faculty are all suspects as well? But anyway, um, they do that anyway. And um, Kendall from then tries to hit on Linda right. D, who's clearly about maybe twenty five years older than him. Um, although he doesn't look like he's the age to be at uni either; he looks like a wee bit older. But then they can have this weird sort of romance thing that goes on, and Kendall turns it to be a really effective cop kind of, uh, because the rest are <laughs> ineffective, which makes them by proxy effective. Right, And he's just a weird character, because like we were saying in Jallows you always, it used to be in Giallos, in it would be whoever the foreign person was in Italy would be involved. They would either see something they weren't supposed to see, or they would be involved, one of their friends would die, or something would happen, and they would find themselves part of the police procedural. But they would never become part of the police force. <laughs> and this movie Kendall becomes part of the police Force. Gotta go um, through
0: secret files. He's just going through everything. He they, they, him, <laughs> they give him access to the
1: entire police archive. They buy him some Wendy's. He's eating you <laughs> a Wendy's cheeseburger, you know. It's it's <laughs> it's strange and to take things into account as well. This movie is supposed to be shot in America. It was shot in Spain. It's clearly shot in Spain. The university <laughs> campus does not look American, it looks Spanish. <laughs> um but they insert things into the movie, like Wendy's for example (laughs) which you can't buy in Spain to make it look like, you know what will give authenticity to this scene? Put a Wendy's in there. Americans love the Wendy's. You know what I mean? It's like, he's a really strange character and this could be the first kind of example in a Jalo I may be wrong, where at the end things don't turn out all right for Kendall. Kendall actually (laughs) suffers a fate (laughs) <laughs> Some the argue worse than death at the end of this movie. Not only is he traumatized because a body falls out of a like a, a mishmash piece together body falls on top of him, which actually terrifies him. But in a weird bit of s- surrealism at the end of this movie, that body then reanimates enough that the hand grabs his testicles and squeezes them till they burst. I think Brad, sure. through his jeans, maybe. <laughs> Kendall, in theory, should be the character that we follow with, that we associate right. with through the investigation. But that never really pans out because we don't spend that much time with Kendall. We end up spending time with everyone else. That <laughs> You never really connect with that character and at the end he, like I say, he gets the... Yeah, he becomes he, he, a
0: soprano.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that he's an odd character choice and uh, I mean, it, he doesn't really add humour or... Yeah. or likability or uh, competence.
3: Yeah.
0: That's a big thing I had.
4: I said, the girls at this college don't have much
0: to pick from because no. there's, there's, him. And then his buddy, that's just Uber
1: nerd. And it's a poindexter. Yeah. 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 He's brilliant. He's like, see what he scares over the mask,
0: <laughs> the, the Halloween mask. It's on my list.
1: <laughs>
2: oh, it's
0: absolutely
4: I got wonderful.
3: You. I got you. There's
4: only like the <laughs> 20 people at the tennis court to look at for the rest of the, University staff and and uh, students. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's. Uh, I guess Kendall was the
3: the
1: cream of the crop there. <laughs> K- Sp- Kendall looks like a really poor man, Steve Gutenberg, as well. Yeah, it looks like a really bad Mahoney.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of cream, I wanted to bring this up.
1: <laughs> Segway.
0: Oh God!
2: <laughs> nice. <laughs>
0: uh, the whole coffee scene with the killer. That's amazing. How do you how do you like that? Oh, no sugar, lots of cream. He don't put anything in there but, but this drug. And she never once says. Hmm. <laughs> oh, you want I, some more? I- I'll go make you some more. <laughs>
1: He's, yeah it's the fact that she finishes it like it's he, he, when he goes back into the kitchen the second time he can't remember where he's put the drug so he goes back in he puts a cup down he's trying to make this frantic second cup of coffee and he's like that, oh, this, oh it's not in that cupboard This up this cupboard right two drops was it two drops I can't remember three drops maybe it's 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 it's, 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 hila- it's hilarious it's it really actually is. the thing about this movie is at times it's unintentionally some of the funniest like this to me on some level you could class pieces as a horror comedy because of how much nonsense i hear that makes you laugh but it's all unintentional Um, and they do it these scenes i i I don't know what they're aiming for other than humor like i I don't know how you do this in any other way that you don't think audiences are just going to laugh at this man it's like the the the, kill the with the gloves to the killer and trying to hammer these jigsaw pieces in that could be humorous i mean there's no way to look at that scene as malicious it has to be humorous so they have all these scenes like in here and that's brilliant and god bless linda day george but her paralyzed acting is terrible <laughs> Is actually terrible it's so so bad just lie still, but keep moving my mouth. Like that's not how, (laughs) that's not how those drugs work. You you know, as so, so bad, so bad, but so amazing.
0: (laughs) I have to give it credit though, because the, the one scene to me that stands out in my mind is, is when he's chasing the girl off the tennis court after she's had her shower, which she's running like Danny said earlier with just no shirt. Everybody's naked. Most of the movie. And, and she goes in the like the locker room or whatever it is and he comes through there with that chainsaw and and like rips her right in half the gore scene there was always the image that I have when I think this movie where they yeah. look in there and she's like in half and yeah. the blood's everywhere I mean it's it's over
1: the top and it looks it, pretty yeah. good
4: it looks really good yeah no doubt.
1: She wets herself as well, which right. is striking. Right. It's a, that's a striking image. I mean, there aren't many movies that you see that. And I, th- I think prior yeah. to this, Lest the movies lived. that you, yeah, yeah it are like exploitation movies that are designed to shock. And the fact that they put that in this movie is this weird. Once again, it's what, what was the movie aiming to do? What's it, what? What's the filmmaker's intention to, to to put something like that in there? If it's not to shock, um, and you're right that that gore effect is one of those. It's, it's when you watch this, and you're just like, This is it, is legitimately one of the goriest right. slasher movies ever made. And right. it, it's, yeah. it's weird that it comes in a movie like this. And it, if people don't remember it as being that. It's only when you watch it again, you're like, There's a lot of fake blood flying around here. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know, I,
4: I think you know, when I was watching it, and I, I'll agree with you, this particular kill. You know, where where he chases her into the room, then he cuts the door open with the chainsaw, and then he opens the door and she wets herself and then he cuts her in half and then later they find her cut in half. I mean, it it was the best done thing that they did in the entire movie. Oh, without yeah, a doubt. I agree with that.
0: Yeah. 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 Except for the fact that the killer <laughs> cuts that hole in the door, it's big enough to drive a bus through just to open the door.
1: <laughs> yeah. He could uh, so just the, cut see, a
0: little section out, you know.
1: Yeah, and she's of course she's screaming like on the other side of the door hysterically. Right. Um But yeah, and, and then without that scene, you don't get Christopher George going, He cut that poor girl in half while she was still alive. <laughs> uh, which is horribly overdubbed. And once again, sounds like it's coming from a different movie. Danny spot on it. it. Sounds like someone else has maybe said that sentence. Right. Um <laughs> But you've got that in there. It's, it's 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 strange. It is really, really strange. But you can add additional things. This movie opens in the strangest strangest way. Boston nineteen forty two and we have this kid putting together a jigsaw and he's obviously borderline hysterical mother comes in and notices that it's one of these novelty nude jigsaws and then she starts just wailing on them, <laughs> absolutely hammering them. and then she finds like porn mags that have been stashed away as well and all these things and she's like just it's your father's this is all your father's stuff and you're useless you're going to turn out to be a perfect like your father um, and he to his credit takes an axe to her and you would just think we would see like an axe come down in a bit no this movie lets you see axe connect with head about two or three times yeah and then we jump to police officers outside track again and when we then jump back into the room he's sawing his mother up we see him covered in blood with a saw you know (laughs) sorting away through limbs and then he gets away. With the whole murder, but hiding him, yeah, yeah, in <laughs> so, a locked house which no one has access to, which means there's only two people in there. He hides himself in a cupboard because he's hidden himself from the killer whilst being saturated in his mother's blood. And the police officers don't think anything suspicious here.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's, All right, it's, oh,
4: brilliant. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down. We've got we got our reasons to watch the movie. So so Duncan's first reason is Mary, right? Her name is Mary. The the, uh, yep, the cop from the, and her amazing acting performance and, uh, <laughs> and, and her beautiful, uh, visage. I've got, uh, my first reason was Willard, the, the, uh, the crazy groundskeeper because, uh, he, cause he's a crazy groundskeeper and <laughs> what else you gotta have needs? that. Also known as red herring. Um, Rick's first reason was the, was the repetitive weird music. <laughs> that that, uh, that c- carried through the whole thing and really gave you the whole suspenseful, mysterious feel. I've, I've got the second reason: um, Duncan's is the kung fu um, trainer from nowhere and attacks uh, one of our main characters, and then you know blames it on bad chop suey. Um, my, my second reason was uh, extended Jazzer sized scenes, um, and and Rick's uh, second reason was the waterbed sequence, which you know as the waterbed is mentioned several times. It is then used in a, in a rather grisly murder near the end of the movie. In um, slow mo. In yeah, well, I mean that that scene goes on for a while. I'm not sure if it was slow mo or if it was just long. <laughs>
0: long scene. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, uh, Duncan's third reason is that that it's a Giallo movie, and also he mentioned the tag the taglines of uh "It's not what you think." Is that what the tagline was? No, no, it's, it's, it's exactly, exactly what you think
0: it is. It's, it's exactly,
4: exactly what you think it is. yeah see, I didn't see the taglines. I, I like taglines, and the <laughs> other have to go to Texas to have a massacre. And so I thought those were worth mentioning, along with the Giallo movie um, epiphany on that one. Uh, the my third reason was uh, the dean saying, "I'm far too busy to talk to anyone," while he's talking to someone. Um, and the uh, the third reason that Rick had. Was, pool throwdown with uh with mongo aka willard the groundskeeper guy um (laughs) you know where they're basically trying to take down the creature the balloon with uh breaking boards and eschewing their guns until the end where they of course yell um hold it or i'll blow your brains out the the fourth reason which is about where we are uh before we started moving around a little bit is uh you know rick had uh sergeant holden yes the the, uh the leslie nielsen uh frank and Cop who wants his buddy to quit smoking and can't find evidence even after he's been looking for 23 hours. (laughs) Just the fact
0: uh, of at that point too, he just he gets off the phone, okay, hangs up and goes, Yeah, it's the uh
4: it's the counselor.
0: He just throws his jacket (laughs) on. Yeah, uh, it's him. He changed his name.
4: (laughs) (laughs) And my fourth reason, which which I didn't really get to, it's a decent mystery. There are a whole lot of It, it, pretty much anybody could be it you know who the killer is because you saw them as a child but you don't know who they grew up to be so okay. uh, I think that was done pretty well as far as like keeping you guessing I was just gonna say Duncan's next reason was Kendall who who yeah. absolutely is a reason to watch it our uh, our untrained cop phenomenon and then we'll <laughs> uh, get back to the discussion
1: yeah I think you were talking about the the it could be anyone there's a great scene after the body's found in the elevator where you know the camera pans around and all the suspects are standing like right. all together and right, it's like yeah. something right out of clue you know what i mean it's like this like the camera spins around and they're all kind of standing it could be any one of us and you see them like it knows what it is you know it knows it kind of knows that that you know we need to have all our characters standing together so we can now create a bit more mystery um in a movie which oh, let's be honest uh or suspense and mystery or maybe strong words um, my <laughs> last reason because like I say I could literally talk about this movie for about seven hours and whilst I would be happy no one listening to it will be happy um, is one of the <laughs> names associ- uh, one of the names associated with this project so screenplay was co-wrote by Joe D'Amato yeah uh, infamous right. infamous exploitation stroke yeah. porn uh, director who was involved with a ton of movies I mean, his credits for for just purely directing movies are close to 200. movies man. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of his very first projects. The guy was associated with some weird and wonderful movies. Like, he was a <laughs> producer on a- Anthropopocos, like you said, and the unofficial sequel, Absurd. He was a oh, producer yeah. on that. He was a producer on Stage Fright Aquarius, right. uh, a producer on Beyond Darkness, Troll 2. Uh, you know, just like weird, weird projects that he was linked to. He's also credited in, in, in screenwriting a, a lot of movies as well. How that works, I don't know whether he took a pass
0: It's like the Italian Corman.
1: I mean, he was everywhere. That's exactly exactly who he is. He is the Italian Roger Corman. He did everything, every style of movies D'Amato was involved with. He eventually became just like a porn director. I think that's... I think he has a movie called 120 120 Days of Anal, uh, which is... (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm not entirely sure what that movie's about, but part of me wants to find out. Um, But... (laughs) <laughs> his, his, his <laughs> I don't know if that is a Helming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Paramount really wants to But what there's two reasons. Like so one, his name being attached to the project is weird and, uh, and at the same time it kinda makes sense. He did a lot of exploitation, a lot of genre cinema, which was just really quickly made, very, very cheap. You put it out making like maybe five movies a year and just doing that. But what the the, the thing that gives it this extra little special bit is the fact that he went under a pseudonym to be involved with this project, <laughs> and his pseudonym is John Shadow, <laughs> clearly a fake name. He's either a f- he, it's either a fake name or he's a private detective from the nineteen twenties. <laughs> As you know, yeah. like uh, this, th- this could be a case for John Shadow. You know what I mean? That <laughs> that sort of idea. It's. Yeah, but his name being involved with it just as, right. the, as the the, the, well, frosting, I, the, as well, the sense, frosting on top of the muffin. It actually makes a lot
0: more sense, frosting on top of the muffin. from me. That's from another podcast, folks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but as, uh, it totally makes sense when you see it. Uh, like, I have to say, watch this movie, and at the end, I was to say, Joe DiMaggio was involved with it. You're going to go, of course it was. <laughs> right. It it was. Ma- well, it
0: makes a lot more sense now. I, I didn't even put yeah. that together either. Because yeah. he, had, he had like 20 pseudonyms anyways. So
1: he has he's one of the most active um careers of anyone ever. He was a producer, a writer, a director an actor. Um and I think when you combine everything together that he's done you're talking in the region about 500 yeah. Appearances and things that he's done in cinema. It's insane. And not a lot of it's good. Um, right. Yeah. But he, yeah, he's attached to this project. So that's one reason definitely to check it out.
0: Yeah. I learned something. All right. Anybody got any, anything else they want to air out before we go to a rating?
4: So I did want to point out that the detective at one point says, you know, hey, it isn't by the book to let Kendall in here. And he says, the book says,
1: get the killer. <laughs> <That's
3: funny. laughs>
1: I just love this (laughs) this cop book being handed out and it's just like the first line. It's not uphold uphold the law, protect the public. It's just the book says (laughs) find the killer. That's page one of your police manual, find the killer.
4: I I think it definitely is worth mentioning to anyone who hasn't seen this that the last scene of the movie is is worth watching the movie for or at least the last scene of the movie is worth catching. It was mentioned earlier that a you know a frankenstein uh woman has been sewn together and she falls on someone and as she's being carted out she strangely reanimates to to mutilate our uh, erstwhile heroes (laughs) genitals um and man it seems like i should be making that up
1: (laughs) (laughs) no hell yeah (laughs) that's 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 how you end this movie. So right. when you, like I say, every time you think you've seen the most absurd thing in this movie, it leaves you with one of the most absurd twist <laughs> endings to it's a movie a twist. <laughs> And, and you know, like, generally, a movie like this, even a Jalo would go as far as to explain it. That's a dream. It doesn't. It just leaves you with. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and I just wanted to throw those out there as reasons to watch the movie that that I have in my notes. And you know, having hit it with fresh eyes, I think maybe. I noticed some things that you guys didn't, but I'm sure that I hadn't known some of the things that you have because of your vast experience with this uh, piece of uh, cinema gold. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Hey, of course you heard Duncan while ago bring up uh, Clue. Yeah, uh-huh.
4: that, see, Clue,
0: that's see that's, def- that's that's Danny's stomping grounds right there. So I've Clue's one of my come back favorite. and do that.
1: Yeah. Oh, anytime, anytime. Clues legitimately favorite comedies ever made so yeah I would love that awesome. that was fantastic yeah.
0: yeah okay rating time I'm gonna give it 8 girls on skateboards busting through a, a big
1: picture mirror for some reason <laughs> nice <laughs> uh, uh, I'll I'm, go with uh, 12 jigsaw pieces that don't fit <laughs> nice I'm gonna give it uh, uh,
4: 12 iterations of, of the lady cop yelling
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> she says it at
1: least twelve times. Oh yeah, it's great. <laughs> greatest scene in greatest scene in movie history. It's it's way up there, man. It's it's
4: along there with, with one of those those uh, those scenes from Troll Two, like you know
0: <laughs> He's eating him! He's gonna eat me <laughs> Oh my God. Speaking of movie history, Brian Blessed, (laughs) what do you think of pieces? Shut up. Will you shut up? Oh. (laughs) Apparently, he's not a fan.
4: I I thought he was done with the first shut up.
0: I know. uh, He just kept going. So, all right, folks, we'll be right back.
4: (laughs) Are you seeking? higher education, hard to find courses such as advanced jigsaw puzzlery, practical kung fu, anatomy with real human remains, some unidentified, some fresh. Jazzercise your way to health. For a half mile into our subterranean bathrooms, our campus is well maintained by a live-in groundskeeper Don't forget to visit our new waterbed in the rec room. Our athletic department can't be beat in slow tennis. So don't be a bastard, bastard, bastard. Try Pieces University today.
0: Alright folks, what an episode. Uh, if you don't rush out and watch these two movies, there's just something wrong with you. It's a great way to kick off the, the holidays, to kind of get in the spirit of Halloween and stuff. Two chainsaw classics, if you want to say it that way. Both movies are a lot of fun. There's nothing serious about either one of them. And I don't know, man. I, I think they're both a lot of fun. Pop you a bunch of popcorn, sit back, and call three or four people and just enjoy these movies. That's the way I feel about it.
4: Yeah, you can check out both of these movies to kick off the, uh, the holiday. It's cheaper than going and buying a William Shatner mask. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: very true. And like we said, man, we just love having Duncan with us. And uh, it just it just feels natural having him in the mix with us. And uh, we want to give him a chance to kind of tell you where you can catch him at. He's just about everywhere you turn. Every And even, I think, when I'm caught up with everything he's done, he cranks out 15 more shows. <laughs> so uh, Duncan, let it rip, man. Tell us, tell us where you're at and what's going on.
1: I'm guilty as charged. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got various different shows on the go at the moment. So I will, I will fly through them as quick as possible as to not upset any of your listeners. So I actually want to hear quality content. Um, <laughs> So um most recently, I've started a brand new show. It's with former guest of this show, uh, Mr. Andy Blockley. It's just started. It's called Opera Omnia. It's non-genre specific, but each season we will look at a director that we think is worth discussing um, and go through their entire filmography. Season one has started with Michael Mann and our first episode dropped um just recently, so you can go check uh, out it's exclusive on Legion Podcast Network. And the first episode we talk about I think probably one of his most underrated uh, movies. One of the strongest debuts of any director and that's Thief with James Cans. It's a brilliant yeah. movie. Uh, so go and check it. Opera Omnia, exclusive on legionpodcast.com. Uh, I have another show on Legion. In fact, most of my shows are on Legion Podcast. Uh, I do a show called Chronicle Podcast. Season 2 is almost finished. Uh, exclusively looks at European horror cinema. And this season it's been looking at witch movies. I've covered some fantastic ones already. I've got a couple left. So by the time this episode drops, I believe my episode on Nicholas Rose's The Witches, based on the Roald Dahl book, will be out. um, That movie terrified me as a kid uh, and still does now, actually. Weirdly, it's that Nicholas Rose style something so unsettling and creepy about it. So, yeah, you can check that one also out, exclusively on com. I do a live radio show every Wednesday night at 7pm Eastern Standard Time called The Midnight Horror Show. In October, we are delving right back into the horror and doing theme shows based on different paranormal events or activities, uh, which we will link back to movies and popular culture. Uh, So you should check that show out live on tmhsradio.com or on... uh, on the TuneIn app, you can check TMHS Radio uh, or check the Midnight Horror Show on Facebook and on iTunes. My main show is the podcast Under the Stairs and um, it's been ongoing for a little while. We're doing the Baz V Horror uh, kind of subset of Baz V Halloween shows in October and uh, they're a lot of fun. The Baz is very animated. You should listen to it just for that. You can go to tputzcast.com check out the podcast Under the Stairs on iTunes or also check that one out on legionpodcast.com and I just want to say before you send me off that it's been an absolute privilege and pleasure coming back to the Helming Power Hour it is I say it before I say it every chance I get legitimately one of my favourite podcasts that's come out in a long long time I think you and Danny do an absolutely fantastic job of just capturing the fun and the nostalgia for movies that people, even if they are talking about, are critically viewing them and forgetting that these movies are meant to be entertainment. Right. And I think you guys capture the spirit of that better than any show. And it's uh, an absolute privilege and pleasure to be back on here. So thank you very much for inviting me back on.
0: Oh, man, anytime. I mean, you you know, like we said, you're in our eyes, in my eyes, anyways, I don't know how Danny feels because, you know, he's kind of weird like that but your podcast your podcast royalty as far as i'm concerned so anytime that you're willing to come on we're just going to find a place for you that's the way i see it and thanks for the kind words uh if you're looking for words with more than three syllables this is not your show <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's entertainment and that's what we want the show to be as well and uh having guests on that are entertaining as well just really helps us spread that out there even wider so just it's it's thrilling to have you on the show man thank you very much danny
4: yeah you, you have
0: a heart attack or something or?
4: i just wanted to yeah well i was i was waiting my turn there was there was a lot of gushery going on there and i, <laughs> I want to be on the show <laughs> I don't want to cut into that. It's it's a it's a beautiful thing. I just had to say for our listeners out there, anti-disestablishmentarianism. <laughs>
0: me. So like I said last week, we have jumped our iTunes numbers as far as subscriptions and people leaving us ratings and stars from six up to seven. So we appreciate you guys making the effort. <laughs>
3: Keep, uh, well.
0: keep that going, and by the time we reach year fifty, uh, maybe we'll have—I don't know—ten, 10, 12 subscribers. So appreciate that, guys. <laughs> no, we love each and every one of you, man. And, and this show doesn't mean a thing if you guys aren't listening. I know everybody doesn't use iTunes, but uh, that's just one a one way you can really help out the show. So uh, do that for us. Do that for Duncan's shows. He's all on iTunes as well. Go in there, leave him some five stars, leave him some good comments and uh that's the only way that this thing can get spread out to everybody else to the masses and uh we just appreciate you listening and we're looking forward to next week when we don't know exactly yet what we're doing but it's gonna be harder related
4: right no i I was lost at the rim shot
0: shut up would you so for myself and if danny's not gonna say anything you got anything you want to say no go ahead i'm out We'll see you guys later. Duncan, say goodbye, my man. Bye-bye, my man. (laughs) Y'all take it easy.